Welcome. I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. And today I'm going to dive into a topic that is actually becoming very dear to my heart. And I want to talk in the most gentle and encouraging way about meeting our human vulnerability and the realities of what is often called trauma. And today I have a special person to introduce you all to and together we hope to create a new playful language around this sensitive conversation. So my dear listeners, I would like to introduce you to Kate Matzes. She is the creator and founder of the Body Wise Circles, which is how I met Kate Marie. She's a psychotherapist and soul motion teacher. So Kate, welcome and thank you so much for your time today. Mm, thank you. Wonderful mm. to be here. <laughs> mm. I'm really pleased for my community to meet you, Kate Marie. Um, the reason we're here is because I heard I heard you say something along this is my you know handwritten scroll, but they could very well be your words. That you know, the question was trauma, stress, what is it? Could it be a place to rest and digest? Mm. And at the time we were talking about the physiology of the body and my community is quite familiar with fight, flight, freeze, fawn and the automated involuntary trauma responses and the very real cascade of events that happens in our body and the rock steady process and program that I support people through is largely around understanding our own body and how we meet those tricky places and vulnerable places and how we feel into what's comforting in any given moment, knowing that what feels right on Monday morning might not quite feel right on Mon by Monday lunchtime. So having this sense of dynamic responsiveness to the call of the body and the physiology. So I wanted to really open up this conversation for you. You can Take it where you like to take it, but it really started with the the river and the eddies. If you'd like to share that with our listeners, I think mm. it could be a useful visual. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When you, when you plant that idea, the 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 it's endless. What's possible mm. in that space of understanding trauma from that perspective? Mm. Um. Yeah, I guess my experience with my own body, because that's where it all starts, doesn't it? It doesn't matter what we label ourselves as really <clears throat> showing up in this conversation is really also coming from our own experience. Um, my observations, my experience of my own body and my relationship to this so-called topic of trauma when I started treating my body or understanding my body from a perspective that it's a landscape, it's got landscapes, it's got mountains and rivers and trees and rocks, and it's got all the elements that this earth, this beautiful world we live in has. Yeah. Somehow then um, the idea of trauma or this foreign quite challenging experience 
had to kind of it fits somewhere in there in mm. this landscape of called me this landscape called nature and nature is me I am nature nature is me there's no real separation mm. so I noticed especially as a dancer that the body is a fluid process it's always changing always changing always changing that that is a given. That is one of the universal truths that this too will change. <laughs> it might change slowly and not maybe in this lifetime, but it will change. And so and nature t teaches this and the landscape of this body changes. And so I started to kind of visualize myself as kind of uh if, if change is happening then a river is always in motion it's kind of even if it's like a very 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 underground water trickle mm -hmm. it might not be seen by the naked eye but it's somewhere there there's something flowing somewhere and sometimes it dries up and sometimes it overflows and movement assists in this understanding of my body is kind of a river system and it's got its trees and it's it's mountains etc but where I started to really see the river kind of and trauma was when I started being in relationship and working with people directly because they were coming to me with um, very particular needs around their own sensations of pain and discomfort and stress and they may not have even labeled it as trauma and that's a whole nother kind of part mm. of the conversation but they came with to me because they were seeking some support in some way and this was generally through the work of Sambahan which is a big part of my life which is a practice that is really based on the understanding that everything in life has a vibration everything down to the tiniest cell mm -hmm. and when I notice holding people on the floor on the on the table or on the floor and just uh, using movement to assist this river to open up to just let their body talk the talk that needs to be spoken without any interference mm -hmm. I started to notice that I was also holding someone else's river and that my job was not to dive into the water with them or to try and manipulate the water to go in any particular way, but was just to sit on the riverbank mm. and just watch what happened. And even in the process of witnessing something, it has enough power and permission for something to start changing. Yeah. It's very subtle, it's very slow, and sometimes it's very fast. But the, just the beauty of witnessing something can inspire change. Mm. <clears throat> and, uh, and so this understanding of the river and, and I don't know, I, sorry, kind of going off on like a river winding <laughs> through its landscape. <laughs> and then this is what happens, I guess. Um, but if somebody had come to me with, say, the need of discomfort or pain or they they might have labelled it as trauma, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, all those kind of words that describe 
um, a particular type of current. Let's let's not even label it as negative or positive. It's just a current. Mm. What I noticed is when I could be just in presence without interference with parts of the current that were maybe contracted or in tension or hotter or um, like a, I'm kind of doing this with my hands. It doesn't always articulate through words, but kind of scrunched up. Mm. Sometimes just uh, I noticed that I was like, oh, I'm just sitting by the part of the river with this person that is like an eddy mm. where there's a, some might call it stagnation, but I would even kind of really be aware that stagnation can often link to bad. Mm. And I don't want to put any of this conversation in good or bad kind of categories and want to offer just a real awareness of how we use our words to describe things as if there's only two camps in the world, <laughs> but there's so many more. And I want to try and hold the reverence of every experience in the conversation because it's the reverence that we give to an experience that allows the permission for it to be there, which is the witnessing, mm -hmm. the befriending and the understanding, and it's where our curiosity can most meet an experience. Mm -hmm. And so when I was sitting with people, and I can say that I was have done this with myself, however, it's the presence of another. It's the connection and the relationship that has a significant impact yeah. on how our river system works because we are born as social beings. Yeah. This and speaks, it's a deep need. This speaks mm. so much. And actually our our, our community of <clears throat> listeners, we've just been really, well, we've always had our monthly connection in this capacity to listen and grow and learn and heal alongside each other. And I use heal in terms of accepting as we are, acceptance as we are. Um, but it's really become apparent to me that this concept of being witnessed and being connected and continually coming back to a warm, safe, non-judgmental container is so incredibly potent um, so a lot of what you're saying is is really, really landing. And on a personal note, I want to say I've struggled with the language limitations because, of course, I've grown up in a culture that has lots of this binary of good, bad, better, worse, normal, abnormal, um, stuck, <clears throat> you know, and it's hard at times to find the words to really meet people where they need the conversation to be without falling into, again, that diagnostic clinical um, judgmental space because that's really what the language is setting us up for. And so it's this together as a community, it's this this clunky sort of awakening of well, how are we using our words and how are we being really light and experimental with how we're using our words. Um, and that's where I really mm -hmm. like this reference to any form of trauma, stress, difficulty, vibration, you know, and 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 my community is very familiar with this description in colour, shape, form, texture of what's going on for them. Um, mm. But could this be a place to rest and digest, that when we're feeling that knot or that heart sink, 
or that urgent push, could it be the body inviting us in for a cup of tea mm. to be with or to reach out to a trusted other who can witness us in that place or that vibration, as you suggest? Mm. I'd love you to, to come back to the eddy just for those people who aren't familiar with that word. I loved mm -hmm. it when you described <clears throat> the kayaker. Do you want to do that or mm -hmm. shall I? Yeah, you got Yeah, I was just about to share that and it, I love that you've just brought in the trauma and rest because when, as I was saying, when I was in, in presence with that part of the body that was just a little bit more contracted maybe than other parts, I I noticed that my observation was like when I was a kayaker and kayaking down the river and in order to be able to keep going, sometimes we need to have a rest. It's just a really normal function of the way our whole body system works. Mm. Pausing is part of being human mm. and we've got conditions on top of that that tell us that there's no time to pause. <laughs> but these eddies, are, an eddy is basically, if you don't know what an eddy is, in a river or... Um, in any kind of water system where you've got a, in a river it's it looks like it's a group of rocks where the water just swirls behind it mm. continuously like a spiral. Mm. And uh, it has a different um, pattern, a different cycle, a different makeup, um, mm. and but yet it's still part of the whole. Mm. It's still part of the river. It's just a slightly... It's just different. <clears throat> and so I noticed that wherever there was, when I was working and being with people, I noticed that there was these eddies everywhere, mm. that the that the there was the direct correspondence of, um, oh, I'm I'm if 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 somebody was able to access their body, and even when they weren't able to necessarily fully access their body because they were disassociating with the experience the body was still talking the body never stops talking so the eddy is there so I would naturally just kind of go and find these eddies and rest with them and just the attention to the eddy in the body the mm. place where you can go and put your kayak and it just spin the water because it's swirling in its own place it just hovers on top mm. and the intention is not to move the rock so the eddy can just quickly go back into the river because actually that can be more shocking for the body. Hmm. The intent to go by the, the eddy and rest is to allow whatever water is there or whatever fluid is there or whatever situation is there, if I'm talking in the body now, that presence that you give to that resting place slows almost everything else down in the in the river system <clears throat> and allows things to kind of um mature there's a maturity in that space because it's digesting something mm. it's swirling on itself and if i was to to go in there and manipulate it which lots of practices try to do they stretch it out or it actually disables the opportunity to learn what's really there if that makes sense. It does. And there's just so much here. I'd love to 
um, try and really keep simplifying down these metaphors, but if we take, for example, for my listeners, so they've often got chronic dizziness, mm. chronic vertigo or chronic tinnitus, but amongst all the other human aches and pains of being human, mm. I suppose what, what we're getting at here using the metaphors is when we have something that we're uncomfortable with and we're possibly labelling as abnormal, wrong, bad, broken, needing a fix, what if we were to take a different perspective and really sit with warm attention, not any attention, because critical attention of trying to fix and get rid of is really the the sort of trap that a lot of my yeah. community have have overexplored and got that PhD in that what I call the wild goose chase, really. Um, mm. And so what we're talking about is bringing that warm attention to something that can feel really uncomfortable, confusing, mysterious. It can It can make us feel like we're different to other people or that something's mm. wrong with us. But what if it is so beautifully welcome as part of our human natural life cycle? What if we know that it's changing just as everything changes? And what mm. if we can bring a sense of sacred witness, loving awareness, warm curiosity, so that, <clears throat> excuse me, at a not just a physiological or physical level, but also at a mental, emotional, spiritual uh, place, the body can digest, metabolize, and integrate whatever is occurring in that pattern that's that's arrived at the body for whatever reason. And people might be questioning, you know, there's a lot going on there, but, you know, if I quickly eat my food and there's big lumps of food, it's like it's uncomfortable and awkward. And then if there's people going into my body to try and pull out the food or move the food, it's like, well, what if they just helped me digest it so that I could actually take some nutrients and then appropriately excrete it when it's ready. And this is what we're talking about in the whole person, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Um, how does that land for you, Kate Marie? Yeah, as I as I hear you, I, I can't help but think it's such a tricky space because mm. um, we can have these beautiful metaphors about ourselves, about the body, about having a landscape of nature and everything is interconnected, including each of us. And we make up a community, we make up a family, we make up those, and it has to be put in a relational context. Mm because that's what a landscape is. It's not like the tree isn't there on its own or the river isn't there on its own. They're always interrelated. So if one part of the system is um, <clears throat> wanting to move in one direction and the other part of the system is wanting to move in the other direction, it makes for a very tense kind of experience. So I guess I'm really aware that, um, Yeah, it's it, it it it's there's there's so many multiple layers to the conversation around how to hold ourselves differently with trauma because we can say and try and do that and we're living in a collective mm. uh, consciousness that's made up of also patterns and cycles and influencing and inspiring and impacting each other. Mm. 
And so it takes a lot of courage to carve out a new water system or a new system for yourself. And I often, just as I say that, think about where I've personally come in contact either with my own extreme type of um, sensations and I'm someone who has also experienced kind of what would the system would label as PTSD through very specific kind of experiences in my life. There's a... Um, It takes a lot of courage to move out of that system and it's a clumsy process Mm. and there's a, if if I go through the journey of permission for myself Mm. um, in whatever form that looks like and not making any way wrong, any way of trying to move through your own system wrong, and this 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 uh, polarized kind of thought process is such a condition and cycle of a society that we've just grown up in. And I say we because it's not just limited to Western culture; it's kind of a a human condition that's in many cultures, in many cultures. And it's not just about culture. So it's very complex even just kind of trying to narrow down, you know, this process of this is is a new way of of looking at trauma. It's not a new way. It's just just like having a a less defining conversation about trauma. Yeah, it's the openness instead of the closed, definitive, diagnostic, clinical, pathways prescriptions agendas outcomes like it 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 really is a cultural change and um it's funny as you were talking you know we are all the result of the environment that we're in the water we're Mm -hmm. drinking the food we're eating the conversations we're having and I was just on a bushwalk today with my beautiful boys and I saw what I think was this managum eucalypt by the creek but the trunk was so huge and the branches were just so plump and curly and strong. And I'm like, I'm sure that's a managum. But if I was comparing it to the heathlands in in just two hours down the road that's further from water and they're skinny trees, uh, and it's not right or wrong, they're, they're different, same species. But I, I suppose being right by that creek bed and that access to water and further from urban development, mm. the shape of the tree was so different, so different. Mm. And I suppose this is our interconnectedness. And I think that's the butterfly effect of as we begin to accept and meet the vibrationally tricky and uncomfortable parts in our own edges it really is a gift to the household we're living in and the community we're walking in Um, because my sense is that welcome invitation of saying yes to what is becomes a walking way of life. And a lot of people in my Rocksteady community will enter because they don't like their symptoms. Yeah. 
and they'll go through this self-study process and realize, wow, I'm just, I am dramatically changing how I live in the world, how I relate to myself, how I treat myself and talk to myself and how I ask my own questions and enter that pause to really feel, listen and respond with my own answers. Answer doesn't really feel like the right word there, but it's a it's really changing how we go about being human. <clears throat> um, some other things I've written. Mm. Did you want to comment further? Please, please do. Please do. Well, yeah, I just as you were speaking, I guess there was just this visual of like, you know, <sighs> pa- pain without sounding corny or um, (laughs) perfectionist in some ways because there's always that risk of sitting in a place of of defining it. I don't want to define it. Um, And I want to offer this possibility that the the body speaks volumes above above pretty much every Mm. thing we're made up of. It has. It's kind of the the landing place for everything. It's the metaphysical space that all our emotional, spiritual, um, yeah, mental, cultural ways of being in the world kind of lands in the bones, in the skin, in the heart, in the muscles, in the yeah. in the way we breathe. In the, it's just such an expression of who we are. And yet over our society and years of <clears throat> disconnect, we, we've kind of almost hierarchically put the body at the bottom of the rank. And now it's time to put the body in the centre, not on the top, but in the centre. I think that's where I see my, my perspective is that we're putting the body at the centre of the conversation. And so from my own, I can only speak from my own experience rather than even through the observation of others but when I notice pain or some discomfort in my body, it's my body's language. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it's a, an, a, an opportunity, a porthole, mm-hmm. um, if I'm willing enough, just enough. I don't have to be like all super conscious about it. If I'm just sometimes I fall over myself and then I realise, oh, yes, okay, thanks, body, I have to. I have to turn towards you, right? You're giving me some mm. life doesn't let me get away with anything. It will constantly trip me over, but it's the tripping over that's the opening, that's the porthole, that's the opportunity. It's the permission to turn towards myself again and say, oh, yeah, okay, this is really, really uncomfortable. How do I befriend that? But I need some skills to do that because my culture, my society, my family, my my introduction into the world didn't offer me those insights naturally. And <clears throat> some places did, some cultures do, and that's amazing. And we all have our um, our things. But that tripping over, that pain, that discomfort are are doorways once we realise that they are just a language of the body that's asking to be heard. Yeah. And it is actually that simple. And 
and we complicate it by going, oh, we go, we complicate things by going down the diagnostic path. And the diagnostic yeah. path is helpful and it can be also very constricted in how we relate to our body because we then narrow that particular part of our body down to a fine point <laughs> and, again, disassociates itself from the other parts of the landscape. Yeah, and the richness of our life force, which is this invisible, intangible space that often doesn't really get um, met when we go down that clinical and diagnostic um, but what you've just said really speaks actually to chapter one of my book, which is about inviting in medical support people who are hopefully um, on a similar page with you to do the diagnostic mm -hmm. investigation work that's necessary for medical clearance and to understand <clears throat> if there is a, a you know medical treatment that could be useful right away. But if we're taking something that we're uncomfortable with or afraid of to another person who's also uncomfortable and afraid of it, we end up, I think, um, falling into a really unhealthy turning away from the body again and again and having that turning away from the body actually validated externally or even rewarded. So we end up doing it again and again. We're turning away. We're turning away. And um, as you say, I think a really large part of my life has been learning these skills and tools to keep mm. coming home to trust. And the journey I'm on right now actually is reminding myself that I don't have to do it alone and that I can mm. reach out. And I and it's just so powerful. Um, you were sharing about being waiting at those river eddies with your clients and how it can be subtle or hard to see or invisible, but that doesn't make it any less powerful. Um, these internal shifts and changes as we feel loved, held, seen, heard, they change the way our brain fires. They change the way our body and nervous system start to direct information and organize information. It's it's a really profound process. Um, mm. Yeah. It's just, it's, and 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 remember the science, and you, and I know that there is a lot of maybe some science in what maybe people listening, you know, they're intrigued by the science. But remember, it only takes scientifically twenty seconds for the body to have a different experience for a synapse in the brain to begin, mm -hmm. and it's the repetition of that new experience or that missed experience that changes the way the body organises itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's done both on a conscious and an unconscious level. We, we live so much in our unconscious. Um, mm -hmm. And so really when we start stretching our consciousness, it doesn't mean that we're getting it right. It just means that uh, our way of relating to ourselves and to the world changes. Um, yeah, so it doesn't actually take that much for one little change in the body. 20 seconds is, is not a lot of time, but it's the repetition of something that's more powerful. So is, you know, it could be that there is a person in our life that is really present with us. Mm -hmm. That experience of presence can change everything else in the, in our landscape, in our body landscape. Mm 
because they're sitting by that present they're sitting by that part of us that feels isolated or lonely or in pain or and they're not interfering yeah that's another big difference they're not interfering they're not coming in and making a dam so you kind of kind of (laughs) you kind of um can fill up your resources or they're not there to to cut the river off they're just there with your presence and if we have one person like that in our life whether it's a therapist an auntie a parent a a child one person can make a huge difference to that yeah um but it's whether we have that connection Mm. in our in our um and unfortunately the way that we've held pain now it's commercialized it's commodified in some ways it's medicalized we've we hold it in separation to everything else and then it gets isolated even the people that experience that extreme pain begin to isolate themselves mm-hmm. so it it's a bit of an oxymoron in where it's supposed to be placed in the bigger picture of who we are yeah until it just reaches a threshold where it's it's not reasonable anymore to be in that isolation <clears throat> yeah. yeah and i can i can speak to that um in that my journey with trauma, I didn't realize, I mean, I just want to preface this by saying to a certain extent, my perspective on this is we're all swimming globally in lots of power abuse and corruption and mistreatment and unequal opportunities. It's everywhere environmentally. Look at Mother Earth and what how we're treating her, how we're what what we're taking, um, and the choices we're making voicelessness, marginalisation, isms, sexism, ageism, Mm. you name it, right? That's a very incomplete list. And then we've got economic trauma and financial trauma and it's everywhere. So this is not unusual. This is part of Mm. our human experience and we are born to adapt and change through difficult circumstances and adversity. And these Mm. very interruptions of our rivers that Kate Marie is referring to can shape us and can strengthen us and make us. So when we have these little eddies that are held in presence, either with ourselves in a moment of truth um, and hopefully at some points in time with a a loving, non-judgmental other who might also be able to be present with us or a community, um, and I feel like this is my new mission statement now. I would really love to create more spaces where this as a community culture is truly accessible. Um, and I suppose this feels like a good place to introduce the word grief, that as human beings over millennia, our ancestors and the first peoples from all over the world, we have been moving through grief, meeting grief and having loving, safe, ritual spaces to really go into that grief vibration and feeling and its deepest sorrows in a way that was really valued as what will this experience teach us? What what gift are we going to come out of after we go into it? Rather than potentially what we could describe as the modern day culture as really wanting to focus a lot on growth and beauty and wealth and finances and death and aging and decay and sorrows really sort of get pushed to the furthest corner where no one really wants to deal with it, talk about it. So we end up suffering alone. 
um, our neurons don't know what to do with all of that feeling until it sort of it it wakes us up. The body is screaming to be processed, mm -hmm. metabolized, integrated, mm -hmm. and that this is the journey I really feel like I'm on um, in my own way, and my community is on. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's a there's a spark that's happening around how we view power, how we experience power. And I think power, and we've mentioned that word a few times in different ways, but power really is at the core of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, power in its rawest form, like who has the power, where is the power, what is the power? Mm -hmm. uh, if we just view power as an energy source, and <clears throat> one of the inspirations, as you've mentioned, the body wise was to reorientate power mm. at its like at its deepest core, because our communities, and I say ours, the ones that I've been exposed to, um, are often orientated towards what you were just mentioning growth and beauty and um, and that is part of our collective consciousness right that that's if we treat the the world as one body there that that is like almost like an eddy that's happening over there with all of the stuff that keeps regurgitating on itself so I don't even want to make that wrong it's like that is part of us. We've somehow manifested or we've somehow kind of created this part of us that's not interested in um, being more fluid and we've cut that part of ourselves off for whatever reason. Or we don't even know it's on the menu. So we're not seeking yeah. that connection with soul and grief and um, beauty in the context mm. of a soul language, you know, I think. Actually, a lot of my Rocksteady members will say, I just had no idea this was, you know, my Possible. tinnitus got me here, but wow, this has been a wild yeah. ride that was not what I signed up for in a striking way. Mm, so, mm. so I think it's these missed experiences that mean we don't even know what's on the menu. Yeah. So we go shopping yeah. or we have another drink or we make another cake. Yeah. You know, we do what, what is best for us and using the capacity and resources we have. Yeah, um, yeah. And then here we are, I guess, holding yeah. all of these paradoxes in this beautiful world we're sharing. And yeah, and that, and that, and is, and that was that orientation of power that I just wanted to finish. It was like we've been given a construct where there's always an expert outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. in, in, especially in the Western medical system. It's mm -hmm. like. And so we we've we've lost the our ancestral way, especially in the Western concept context, that we are a round circle of knowing that, that that everybody has a knowing inside of them, and it might not be it's their knowing, and it might be a bit of knowing of the community, but it's not the whole knowing. And what's happened, especially in our medical system, and this is what inspired me being a medical advocate for a long time. With, with certain people where I would go and be present with people in the medical system mm -hmm. is that the doctor or nurse or whoever was in there expert 
by means of just their education and the system, claim their authority and um, mm. their their expertise and it just happens to go over the other person. And it's not necessarily always a conscious thing. It's just the system. And so this disempowers the individual to go, oh, I don't know my body. <laughs> and this, that's where it starts. And if we have one, and so what I found myself as a medical advocate was spending more time holding ground with this individual to say, you know, you actually have the authority of your own listening. And, yes, it's really hard to advocate for your own knowing and expertise in a, in a, in a system that says already that you don't have any expertise over your body that because you haven't gone through a medical degree that you actually don't know how your bones work. You don't know how your organs work and it's totally, yeah, it's, it's totally, yeah. Yeah. It becomes a wishy kind of, Oh, you know, spiritual thing when actually from the moment we are born as our gut develops in the embryo, that's where our intuition already begins. And yet, it's our first brain, and yet we, we, as in the bigger we, the system says it's the it's not even a brain. <laughs> mm. So I think it's about having space where we can we're finding space or allowing those spaces to find us. And as you beautifully mentioned, when you have like a, a particular discomfort or pain, and, and that can be the doorway to a whole other world. There's a calling. The soul knows where it needs to go <laughs> in order to get support. And it might just be for that reorientation that um, to say, ah, oh, I, I do know myself. It's the body calling out saying, you know me, here I am, here I'm screaming out loud and all I have to do is actually kind of um almost be with my body so my mind can rest, so that my mind is not the master of my body, but the body is the master of the mind. Mm. So it's a, a total reorientation we're going through. And it's it's clunky because we've got this system over here that says, I'm the one with the degree. Yeah. <laughs> we've hierarchied everything. Yeah. And I, I see it happening naturally just because there's enough of us creating other patterns in our society and people are like, mm, hang on, what's happening over here? And I just want to lastly say that the, the very tricky thing, though, is whilst this other pattern of possibility is happening over here in this landscape, we have to be careful not to commodify it and use the same kind of way of um imposing that it's the right way mm. because we then go down that slippery path again as a community of like oh you know discounting what's over here and the minute we discount what's over there we lose the opportunity to come together yeah so it's like how do we allow all of that like you know there's different systems in our life in our communities in our society how do we let that be there? How do we use what we need? How do we know where we stand? Yeah. How do we find those places in our daily life, in our communities to be in the spaciousness of just who we are without interference so that we've got just enough time to experience your own sense of sovereignty 
power, authenticity. How do we do that? No matter what culture we exist in. Mm -hmm. And some cultures are better at it than others just by the nature of how they're organised. And we can learn from each other in that way. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a personal story. I think I'm holding my chin here. I think I feel to share um, to sort of move this conversation towards hopefully a soft landing place. But it was as I um, I birthed my second son and both of my births were beautiful experiences of really helping me expand my sense of self and capacity. They were um, pivotal, really pivotal in awakening me to more of life and more of these missed experiences and new things on the menu about being human that I didn't know existed. Um but I was really, really, really vulnerable after birthing my second child. And I started really questioning what is love, what is connection, um, noticing the, the threads of family trauma through my lineage, my parents. Um, and I was really being curious and staying with it all and being very choosy about who I shared with and I cocooned myself off and I really rode the waves and my, my Rock City community know a little bit about this journey. But what I want to share here is something inside of me intuitively really felt to follow the thread of fear. And it was interesting what was arising because I was noticing fear in connection, even with my children or my husband. So things that, you know, should have on paper maybe been easy and safe, but there was a part of me in push-pull. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Another one was silence and sitting with myself. And I have got decades of yoga experience, but it was always really in a container of doing something and exploring something and studying something. But to really just be on the couch and be in that presence space of mystery and whatever's emerging that I don't control and I don't know and really being willing to feel that. I started to spend more time in that deep mystery, the unknown. Um, And it's become a space that really excites me. And I still feel the bodily vulnerability at times Mm -hmm. and those parts of me that want everything in a nice box and I want to know how it all lines up and how it all fits and have labels and language for everything. But I think what this process of spending time with myself staying in my body, being with the discomfort, staying curious, being willing to lovingly witness and stay present with what's arising. Um, It really has been the gift that keeps on giving. I'm in it. It's an ongoing journey. And I think this whole paradox of both and this and um. I feel like for me, they're some of those places to rest and digest and create little eddies for making sense of the big bad world and who I am and how I come home to myself. And um, the more I meet some of those places that incite the fear and the vulnerability, the more I actually, I think, am learning to hold those vibrations, those bigger vibrations, with a sense of awe and reverence um, and aliveness 
because I'm not numb and I'm not urgently rushing around to the next thing and the next agenda and all these little footholds that are just babysitting my inner anxiety at some level. Um, I'm finding this process really exciting. Um, and, and again, the Rocksteady journey has taken me on a path I didn't expect as well. I'm, I'm alongside everyone. Mm. Can we fi finish up a little? Mm -hmm. I want to talk about music and dance. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, let's just talk about what real what life is really about. <laughs> it's about I, play. <laughs> really, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's sincere and. Um, I use music and not so much dance, although I'd love to introduce more dance into my community. Mm -hmm. um, Peter Levine, who's a respected authority on the on trauma world and um, a beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful person, has said, you know, the opposite of trauma is flow. And when the body is in flow, it's the sort of I'm 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 mincing his words, but it was like an antidote to the the stuck mm -hmm. nature of trauma. And um, I just know for me when I'm in music and the container of music and receptive and letting it move through my body, there is a real sense of community and being with. Um, mm. It's a space to be explored. Mm -hmm. And I know your body-wise circles really lean heavily into that holding with music and the invitation to move if the body has the impulse Mm. Um, and I'm finding that really uh, profound and powerful. So I would like to talk about music <laughs> and dance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, when you say that, it's obvious to me because sound, like if you just put music in the sound category and dance in the movement category, they are our original languages, yeah. like the body. Mm. Ancestrally, it's what we we... As a human being, just if you if you imagine back when we kind of started forming in humans and gathering and connecting and evolving together, we didn't have a linear language. We had sound and rhythm. we had movement and we had rhythm. Yeah. And there are so many amazing people that talk about this and I'm not going to claim any expertise in this area at all except for my own experience, but... Um, <clears throat> uh, the inspiration just comes from um, another amazing teacher in the world. Um, oh, my goodness, I've forgotten his last name, so I'm reluctant to say just his first name. I'll, I'll, he'll come back to me. Um, oh, Josh, Josh, Josh Scree. And he has what's called the Emerald Podcast. And, and he talked about, about embodiment mm -hmm. and he, one of the things that inspired me the most was this sense of like even just, and I've been, I live in France now and there's so many caves where I live. Mm. And so, of course, these caves are full of human history because humans gathered in these spaces or just on the fringes of these caves. If you think about a cave, when we enter into a cave, the first uh, thing that would have happened is you tap the wall to hear the echo to see how big and spacious this space is is it safe to enter in and just that 
you know, just that action of clapping a space to create sound, it has such a, um, well, it's about resonance. It's about the human experience of resonance, which is multiplied in so many different ways and movement and sound bring a sense of resonance Mm -hmm. to the body and with each other Mm. that support our currents, our landscape, to not just be open. I wouldn't even use the word open. I would use the word available. Mm. They become available, available to reception, to connection, to um, digesting, to understanding to awareness to so many things and that's because you know so many people that arrive in movement with me that maybe have never done it in this life for the first time they come and they just if it's safe enough for them mm-hmm. if it feels safe enough for them because there's the permission to be awkward and clumsy and you know, or, different. or even just still and numb, like or still, that's good too. And numb, you know. Yes, yes. Bring it, bring it, yes. because it's free yes. expression. <clears throat> it's not a dance class. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> and there's there is beauty in that too. In those dance, I I come. I was a ballroom dancer for many many years, so I know what it's like to be in a very kind of like you know put your arm here and do this. And there's a beauty to that. <laughs> But actually the way I found myself into movement is through my trauma, through having quite a traumatic experiences and then Mm -hmm. it found me and it became my medicine because of the liberation that came within me but also because I became available to my own listening because I wasn't restricted in how my body could move. It just it led the way while the mind just rested and there's something very powerful to that, that we we inherently know from, you know, you don't have to go back that far where our ancestors did that regularly and this was a natural way for us to digest life. And so any event and that brings people together, that there's music, there's sound, there's dance, there's just a natural vibration and a resonance that happens in that space. Mm. Yeah, the key word for me was the the receptivity piece. Um, it's almost like I had a visual of, you know, that sort of being blocked off and withdrawal and isolation and like I'm 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 wrong, I'm bad, I'm ashamed, I'm broken, fix me, help me. This just the, everything's contracting even at that cellular level. And to have the courage to really be receptive and let the world move through us and with us and embrace us. Um, is a really tender process of mm. learning to be available and receptive to our beautiful global shared community of not only human beings or animal beings but also our plant beings and our mountain and rock friends. Mm. Um, learning how to rebuild connections, I think, um, is is a really hot topic around mm. the world, mm, 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 mm. Mm. which can be hard to do if we haven't got that connection here of turning back in. Um, it's not a very graceful way of putting it, but I'll often say with within my community, 
could our bodily sensations be like a text message from our soul calling us in, <laughs> pick up the phone and listen? Mm. And that really is the beginning of our inquiry mm. um, of shifting the comp- shifting the questions and shifting who we ask the questions to. Um, yeah, I just got a really playful image as you set that. <laughs> That great image, Joey, of like, can you imagine like we're in conversation and we're listening because our phone system is on, our Mm. phone is on, Mm. just like we answer our phone. We are in a conversation with somebody and uh, we get a real deep pain in our back and I say, hang on, hang on, I've just got a text message from my body. (laughs) (laughs) I need to attend to it. Wouldn't that be radically amazing? (laughs) I Love that image. <laughs> I was actually at a um some kind of somatic workshop. This is over a decade ago. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't landing for me or it just wasn't feeling the nourishment I needed in that <clears throat> stage of my life. And I um I must have just been in a sort of a headspace over here or something, but I, I went up to the instructor and said, look, I'm going to go home because my body is telling me to leave. <laughs> and um she looked at me and just went yeah yeah you do that thank you and off I went yeah (laughs) yeah um but to be more welcoming of these listening places within ourselves um I think is 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 very alive in the world um so with with our beautiful listeners in this conversation, I'm really hoping that when you find yourself feeling the difficult challenge, landing as a stress or trauma or grief that needs fixing, the invitation is to maybe just put that over the side a little and um, not make it wrong but to possibly open a new door of possibility that could this be my body and my soul inviting me in for a rest, even a playful rest, to have a picnic or a cup of tea by the river of me and however that looks and whatever that means, but a place to rest and digest and deeply know there's nothing broken and there's nothing to fix. You know, it's such a journey mm. to that place. Mm. Um, that's how I would love to bring a close to this conversation. And Kate Marie, I'd mm. love to um, invite you to share anything that you feel will um, round off the many directions this conversation has ebbed and flowed. Yeah, I guess what lands with me as you even just share that last sentence is just a, a, a remembrance of where we are in the world or mm-hmm. who we are or what we are or what we find ourselves in. Um, that there's actually from from a from the body orientated place, there is no right or wrong. But that's not the language deeply of the body. Mm. And that my wish for each of us is to to remember our own language, 
Mm. Really, to and it, n- n- not relearn, but just to remember mm. because it's there and it speaks to us every single day. And our way of moving through this life is clumsy. It's just clumsy. So let's not even try to make <laughs> it perfect. Hmm. Let's let's uh, let's 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 play with our clumsiness in the face of newness, of difference, of being human, and take the courage to to be that just to be that and 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 we might be surprised about where it takes us Mm. Mm. thank you so much um i really feel this is exciting space just this idea of having this new door of possibility to walk in and explore and to find the resources and the people and communities um, for all mm. of our listeners around the world in your in your space, in your hood, in your local arena or online. Um, but I feel these conversations are absolutely life-changing and mm. hold deep beauty. Um, and I think the last thing I want to say is just that sometimes the pain gets so great when we're stuck in that push-pull of the diagnostic, clinical, right, wrong, abnormal, normal, better, worse dialogue, that it actually becomes easier to pivot and go through this door of going, well, what if I'm okay and I'm actually allowed to feel this right now and this is my wholeness in this moment and I'm going to breathe here and be here and stop trying to fix it or change it. Um, Mm. so I really want to plant Mm. that seed for people too. Mm. Thank you so much, Kate Marie. Mm. You're welcome, Um, pleasure. Would you mind sharing your URL website link for our podcast listeners so they can hear it come from you? And I'll pop a link Mm. as well to any show notes. Uh, so my website, Mm. just for people to learn if they wish. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, www.inbody, like I-N-B-O-D-Y, movement, inbodymovement.com.au. Um, yeah, let's be in the body. <laughs> and the best way for people to connect with you would be through that website or? I think so, yeah, and all my contact details, my emails, um, my phone number, uh, via WhatsApp is possible. Um, it's all there. You can read a little bit about me or about what other people have experienced or any of the classes or invitations or workshops or la di da di da what's available. Um, a rich place. Yeah. 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 Right. Well. Thank you. Mm, thank you. We're going to say goodbye at this point, listeners. If you want to follow on towards me, it's seekingbalance.com.au. 
And if you are experiencing chronic symptoms of vertigo, dizziness and tinnitus, my community does have a very understanding place for you to explore and meet these difficult parts of yourself. So take a look there. It's with much love that I say goodbye and we'll be seeing you all in the next episode. So it's a bye for now.